Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy. We dive deep into the climate crisis and come up with solutions. I'm Molly Wood. Now, we've talked a little bit about solar on the show and batteries for storing power to regulate the grid and ensure reliable access. Well, today I'm going to dig into that a little bit more with a twofer, a company that provides solar and battery backup that works with a company that builds new homes and housing developments that can be customized to have fully net zero houses that are all electric. And kind of like last week when we talked about this one-to-many solutions, Today is a story about how, after working together for over a decade, these two companies thought, okay, well, what if we made a whole town that was fully electric, generated its own power, had its own giant community battery, and every house could be controlled with a microgrid that would either give or take power depending on when they needed it most? And then they did it. All right, let's get into it. Today on the program, we have Dan Breidelman, who runs sustainability at KB Home, which is a publicly traded home building company, and Matt Brost, who's head of the New Homes Division at SunPower. The two of them have worked together for 12 years to put solar and batteries on new homes and prove that it works. Early on in our relationship, um, we partnered with Martha Stewart, and we built a demonstration home in Florida with Martha, and we told Martha that, you know, what she does great at the time was she was an icon of, you know, just... She is an icon. She is an icon. Present tense. Present tense. Sorry, I didn't mean to use was. (laughs) She still is an icon. And, um, but we also said we could do something different too, Martha. We could also make this home net zero before anybody even knew what net zero was. So 15 years ago, our project with, with Martha was to demonstrate that we could actually, with the technologies that long ago, create a beautiful home and make it net zero. So this relationship goes back to demonstrating things. So sometimes people think it's just you just did it this year. This is an evolution of of technology that has come along over a long term, a long period of time. So um, it goes back to uh, back to then. So for those who maybe are a little less familiar with how this process works. You know, Matt, you made this comment about it's one home at a time as opposed to a hundred homes at a time. But before we talk about this kind of cool, specific microgrid resilience project, what is the level of, like, are you building developments at a time, one house at a time, some combination of both? Like, how do these projects work? So we started uh, at SunPower focusing on just home builders in 2005. And the funny story is in 2005, most home builders actually thought when you talked about solar, it was those things that leaked on the roof. Uh, And so we were overcoming quite a bit just to get um, uh, really builders to understand what the technology was. But it was more than about just 
solar technology. It was about building a better home. It was like adding in high levels of energy efficiency, sustainability, combining that with solar and actually redefining the overall product of a new home. And the way that you scale this is not by doing one home at a time, it's you get uh, builders like KB Home to make commitments to do uh, entire subdivisions at once. And in doing so, it's a very complicated process. There's a, a lot of design and engineering and integration with the builders' uh, development of their plans and their homes and ensuring that the systems are gonna coordinate well with all of the other trade partners that are on the job site. And that ultimately you deliver a system that's cost effective, that's on time, on the builder's schedule. And when the homeowner moves in, they have an excellent experience with it. So you really have to nail all of those along the way. And what is wonderful about, you know, the home builders that we work with is we can do this at scale. And doing this at scale allows us to bring on more trade partners, more labor, uh, bring more consumer awareness because you know, early on people were out looking for a new home. They weren't necessarily looking for solar. You know, a lot of people with existing homes might be looking for solar, but they're getting a new home with solar. So there's also a huge educational component because they're educating themselves on a lot of different things when it comes to buying a new home and all the decisions and life events that are happening when you're moving. We had to make that seamless for the homeowner. We had to show them the benefits, show the builder the benefits. And over time, we were able to really be, I think, successful at doing all of those things. And then, Dan, KB Home has always been a sustainable home builder, right? Or at least that's always been built into, no pun intended, the options that consumers can choose from? Exactly. I mean, we'll put a lot of, you know, first of all, every home, regardless of the options you pick, Molly, every one of our homes gets certified and um, is designed for Energy Star. So third-party certification, we generate a HERS score. Every home gets a HERS score. And we even in our models, you walk into one of our models, it'll tell you this home's energy usage for the year is expected to be this, and its score is this. So that's what you could expect when you buy this house. And that's built into every base. Then you can, you know, in California, there's a requirement for solar. Every home needs a certain amount of solar. But you can also add more to it if you want to. Or you can add solar to a home in, say, Arizona if you want to. So, um you know, it's, it's your ability to be able to pick and choose that to make it, uh, you know, the house that you want of your dreams. Mm -hmm. and, and if I might just add, I think I think we are at an inflection point. You mentioned, Molly, the consumer. You know, 17 years ago, the consumer wasn't necessarily looking for these products. Uh, we have definitely seen a change in the interest, the demand, the pride that comes now with uh, owning, you know, a home that comes with a sun power system on it or a or a battery installed and you know ready for an EV charger or smart home technologies, the consumer is much more educated around these things now than they were before. And, and that's really exciting because quite frankly, that was one of the biggest barriers we had to overcome early was simply consumer education. And the other thing that we were able to do, and we'll talk about this with you know connected communities is if you ask the average person, what is it that you look for from their utility? The average person is going to tell you, well, I would like low cost electricity or cheap, and I would like it to be reliable. What we've been able to do with KB and our home building partners is make energy less expensive than the utility, 
make energy more reliable than the utility, and really important is make it more sustainable than the utility. So you hit all three of these things, affordability being number one, we don't impact KV Homes construction costs, so they are able to maintain affordability. We lower the electricity cost of the consumer, and we do it with a great technology from the sun, which is great for our planet, right? And the consumer, I believe, is actually picking up on all of those things now and realizing this inflection point is here. Not just on that, but just the inflection on the technologies that are going into homes are really changing today. But solar, as you know, is increasingly only half the battle, especially because some big solar energy markets like California are changing the way they pay consumers back for generating renewable energy. This is something called net metering. Typically, and I'm going to say almost in every single case, not every case, but if you live in a community and you put solar on your roof and you generate power, none of that power goes into your house. That power is a power plant on your roof and it goes into the grid. And there's a separate meter on your house that measures how much electricity you're producing. The house is continually always taking power from the grid, never from your solar panels. And then at the end of the month, you get a credit back from the from the utility companies typically on this is how much you generated and this is how much you use. So then you're only paying for the net amount. But the power you produce doesn't go directly into your house. So, and you get credit for it. And it's been that way for a very, very long time. And rules are changing in terms of like how much credit do you actually get for what you generate into the grid. So as we move into the next evolution of a microgrid or something else, batteries and your ability to use that power in your house become a fundamental innovation that provides you with, you know, I'm going to say geometric opportunities to use your own power. In California, new rules went into effect this year that reduced the rate that utilities credit you for solar power by 75%. That's controversial for a lot of reasons, not least of which is that it now takes way longer to break even on an expensive solar installation, potentially reducing demand. It also, though, makes a real strong case for whole home batteries. So in comes the battery, and the battery is a an excellent piece of equipment. And you can, you can, for the time being, ignore the idea of battery as providing backup in the event of an outage. But think of just a battery by itself that's storing that energy that would otherwise go to the grid at low export rates uh, and instead store it and hold it, self-consume it by whatever you're using in your home, and then discharge it in the evening period. In the evening period, uh, we have very high peak rates. This is when everyone comes home and turns on air conditioners and begins to cook and water heaters come on and that sort of thing. So the utilities experience a, a significant peak in demand. And uh, that is also when they want to charge more for electricity. So if we can store energy and discharge it at a time when the utilities need it the most, it provides significant value to the utility. And a part of this a piece of this is exactly what, you know, connected communities is all about. But we take it one step further with the battery, which also provides resiliency to the home. So the homeowner has essential circuits in their home that will be powered in the event of uh, a power outage or a public service power shutdown, as they call them in California. 
often caused by wildfires, but may also be caused by storm conditions or other, you know, unexplained events. Time for a quick break. When we come back, how this combination of the changing economics around solar energy, the need and the benefits of battery storage, and the need for entire communities to be more resilient, led to a bold experiment in Southern California. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool. We're talking with Matt Brost of SunPower and Dan Breidelman of KB Home about building entire communities of new homes, making their own renewable energy and keeping the lights on themselves. My little prepper heart is growing three sizes. Power availability is something that I think a lot of Americans have taken for granted for a long time and, and it is not as reliably available as it used to be. And so there are sort of a lot of reasons to be exploring this paradigm of solar plus storage and resiliency. So let's talk about this project that the two of you are working on together and connected communities and what that means. You know, in California, we went through a terrible drought and um, there were a lot of times where a wildfire uh, affected a huge community and then power companies will shut down power because they don't want sparks, they don't want to create things. So you could be in a community without power because of a big wildfire, because of a huge windstorm. And there's cases where that happens here in California besides just just use of power. So you take a combination of all these factors and with all the technology we have, build a resilient community that if you think about how power can come into your house, power can come into your house from a solar panel on the roof. Power could come into your house from the grid. Power could come into your house from a battery. And power could maybe come into your house from a community battery. And all these batteries can be, you know, refreshed by the sun during the day and be used at night. So we had an idea about uh, just before COVID hit. Um, I have a partner, Jacob Atala, who's sort of iconic in this world for with me and with uh, the whole solar process. And we thought, why couldn't we build um, with what we know about our 20 years of history of building, um, I'm going to say, great envelopes. And we've got our houses down to where they use very little power. So all electric communities that could be resilient. So we thought we would partner with the U.S. Department of Energy, with SunPower, Matt's on the phone, um, with the University of California, Irvine, um, and also the power company say, hey, what if we got together and identified a community at KB Home that we could do this in and all work together on a technology where we could actually apply for a grant 
with the federal government and, and see if you can make a large-scale connected community work. It's got to be warranted. It's got to last for 25 years. It's got to be simple. It's got to be easy to use. And, um, you know, how do we do this and lower that energy usage and give people resiliency? So we probably spent, Matt, I'm going to let you jump in here so I'm not just occupying this whole thing, but we probably spent a good two years, Molly, think tanking this, thinking through it, talking about the risks, talking about the profile. Yeah, we, we the think tank is right. Uh, and I will say that it was years in coming together. And we had actually put together a project plan before there was a Department of Energy opportunity. Hmm. That's how forward thinking I think the group was. We felt there would be opportunities to apply for. And it turned out that there was. We were lucky enough to win uh, one of 10 DOE grants, uh, six plus million dollars, uh, a lot, uh, and the majority of that money really going towards the microgrid concept of the project. But the idea behind it was resiliency, as Dan said. I mean, that was going to be sort of a core theme here. It was a core theme of, of the Department of Energy. Uh, but it was doing, you know, there are things we're doing in this project that are commercially available today, and we will continue to replicate them. But when you start talking about instituting a microgrid that is connected to the utility that is actually separated by two different subdivisions. So you've got over 200 homes with two subdivisions that can be isolated independently. You've got a large community battery storage system that's going to be co-located on the project, which will provide resiliency to the homes, but will also provide the ability to discharge to the grid at peak power times. So it serves two purposes. The controllability of this microgrid, the cybersecurity associated with running a microgrid and having a microgrid, all of these complexities, you know, it took a very sharp, bright, and committed team to, to develop and continue to develop. I particularly like that KB started with the great home. Every single one of these homes is all electric. Every single one of these homes is built to the Department of Energy's net zero energy standards. Every single one was designed to have a solar system to offset 100% of the expected consumption of that home. Every home have it, has its own battery system, sun power battery in the garage that will back up loads in that home. Every home also has smart connected devices like thermostats and water heaters, EV chargers that can be remotely controlled to manage the load in the communities. And then all of the homes have access to a community battery. And then the other thing that, that's, I wouldn't even say novel, I, I would say is a growing area in, in this segment of energy services is where customers can opt in to participate in demand response. So they can get paid to discharge their battery, to have their thermostat controlled or have their EV charger uh, you know, turned off at a time when the utility needs power and they can actually earn rewards and money for doing that. We call that virtual power plant. Um, and all of these customers, it turns out, are happy to enroll in the virtual power plant program. So the benefits to the homeowner from savings, the benefits to the grid and grid services is, um, you know, it's almost like everyone in the project is benefiting from the results. Now, I'll just say 
a lot of this is, is working and working really well. The microgrid component and the community battery will be installed later next year. We have a lot of research to do yet to understand how the microgrid works with the homes, what went well, what we need to work on to improve. But we do believe that this is setting the blueprint of the future of microgrid communities and to have a utility like Southern California Edison, one of the largest investor owned utilities in the nation actively involved in this project is, is significant in terms of, I think, scalability and commercialization. This energy resilient planned community is in Menifee, California, in Riverside County. It's kind of in between San Diego and Los Angeles. It's made up of more than 200 homes, which as Matt mentioned, are all electric, super energy efficient, and basically generate as much solar energy as they consume, they're net zero. And if they need more power, they'll be able to get it from the community battery. The development itself is called Shadow Mountain. The two communities in it are called Durango and Oak Shade. Houses there start at around $520,000. And as Matt said, the Department of Energy put a $6.5 million grant into the Shadow Mountain project because everyone hopes this will be the blueprint for how to build more resilient, clean energy generating towns and communities everywhere once it's completely finished. And then Matt, tell me more about those next steps. So the, the, like you said, the houses exist and are wonderful and are being built and sold. And then the next step in terms of really realizing this holistic vision of this resilient, decentralized mm-hmm. power producing community is this microgrid. Tell me a little more about, you know, for people who are not familiar with that concept, what does that mean in practice to build? Yeah. Um, so think about it this way. Each of the two communities, Oakshade and Durango, each have underground wiring, if you will, that allows them to be controlled independently from the grid. So there's an inter- there's a switch at the grid where we can literally shut the grid down and island the community or the communities together or by themselves. Uh, so imagine in a blackout, all of those homes have their lights on while all of the other neighboring communities don't because they have battery systems and solar systems and community batteries. So the next steps are, remember, with a battery in the home, we can power certain loads in the home. When we install the large community battery towards the end of next year, it's going to supplement the amount of energy that a homeowner can use. So it will be additive to what they can use. And we will be able to monitor how much these homes can draw off of the community battery. While we're doing this, we're going to be running a number of different tests. And this is where University of California, Irvine has come in, um, the great people in that department helping us determine uh, what sort of tests and how many tests we will do. We will actually, and the homeowners have agreed to this, do power shutdowns. We will control devices in the homes. We have the ability to turn on and off large relays. So think about EV chargers or HVAC systems, that sort of thing. We can control those loads so that we can manage the microgrid. The idea is to have the microgrid, say, self-sustaining for days on end. And the only way you can do that is if you manage the available power. The next day, the sun will come up. It will recharge the batteries to some degree. And you're always trying to manage that community such that it can retain its resiliency. 
So those are some of the main things that we're going to be testing. We're also going to be surveying the customers just on their experience in the community, their experience during these test events. Um, and obviously the utility will be heavily involved in this as well as a partner to also see how they benefit from receiving load from the community during peak grid periods where they're needing the community to provide power back to them. Mm -hmm. And the, the last thing is we haven't touched on this too much is we also have a partnership with Kia where we are doing vehicle to home charging. So uh, we have a new bi-directional EV charger that we're using and we're putting in it in 10 homes. Uh, there will be a fleet of Kia EVs there which will be also supplemental, which are uh, are enhancing the testing that we're doing. Because if you followed technology, I think everybody probably knows that not only is EV, you know, the number of consumers owning an EV growing rapidly, but the ability to now supplement homes with uh, the EV as an additional source is going to become more uh, much more available, I think, with new technology coming out in the future. So that's another part of the evaluation of the project. I am obsessed with bi-directional charging and I want to move to Menifee immediately. Um, yeah. <laughs> quickly, before I move to the kind of the high-level goals, talk about how big a deal it is to get a utility on board. Because the utilities, I think, you know, we can say have had across the country certainly varied interest in yeah. helping consumers with this kind of power generation. Um, and, and yet, and, and this is a, this is decentralization. Like it's a, it's could, there are utilities across the country who could see this as a threat to their operations and you got one on board and that feels like a really big deal to me. Well, I think that just having a relationship with um, California Edison and being a, a great partner of, of, with them has helped us to go through this. I mean, I think they want to learn as well how they participate in this. So I think it's a great open-ended experience for them. And they're in this one with us. I, I, I think that partnership allowed us to be able to do this in a very safe way for them because we're sharing data with them. And so, um, you know, it, it, to me, it wasn't very difficult because we didn't, it was a, do you want to partner with us and do this test? So I thought it was fairly easy for us to do that with the utility, regardless of maybe what this might mean in the future. But for this particular project it was you know pretty easy so without partnering with the utility this would be difficult yeah and then talk to me about the benefit because the because utilities have said this is our death spiral scenario right you're generating all your own power and you're only using your own power but it's that give back to the grid that is the reason they want to sign on yeah. right that they then can receive power from this microgrid and from that storage when they need it most because it ensures their reliability throughout the region also this helps them avoid additional generation assets, right? Yeah. And so to the extent we can bring virtual power plants to them, we can build projects like this that help them in the peak. And so to avoid building just a single peak power plant, you know, probably not a carbon neutral peak power plant either. And that's why you have come back to the utility. I think there was a lot of alignment with SCE and their forward thinking in terms of decarbonization electrification, peak power requirements. You think about the impact EVs are going to be having on the grid, right? The, the, the demand for 
for energy is is just in particular electric energy is rising rapidly. So yeah, I think I think they saw great alignment in this project and how this could potentially be part of one the the solution set that they deploy in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that feels like that feels like the big unlock to me, the idea that a community of homes is not just a taker, it's a generator of the power that they so desperately need. And you know, Amali too, I think that if you're a utility companies and I can't speak for them, but you know, the the ability for re-innovation of what you provide. I mean, if you you can look back in history of companies that failed to try to be part of the innovation stream, like I use a couple of names and I don't I don't mean to do this in a negative way, but I think Blockbuster never thought that, you know, Netflix could real-time stream and 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 they didn't want to reinvent and they lost that business model or you know what happened with photos in the cloud and with everything. So, you know, if you if you don't continue to reinvent your business model and look for other ways as sources of incomes and it can fail and I think that's why this is interesting for you know, the communities, like we are putting a, a grid, a power grid in this community, but did that power grid have to be ours? Could it have been somebody else's? So you're just demonstrating opportunities for the future and um, uh, in, in a very safe, safe way. And so I think there could be lots of opportunities for revenue streams based on these kinds of concepts throughout the country. And it, it'll be interesting as we go into the future. Uh, you know, if, if you're a pr- young person today, the future of all electricity and and using and using solar is is phenomenal. I mean, it, it should be so much so much brighter and better. And and uh, I'm really looking forward to just seeing this innovation just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, feel good about where I feel good about where the future is actually. All right. I know sometimes it can be daunting to think, oh, all we have to do is design entire towns differently and build millions of new houses that are on their own grid. No big deal. But and thank you for bearing with me. I just find this all fascinating how the economics continue to evolve. And we figure out that, oh, okay, well, solar's great, but we also need batteries. And wait, what if we got the utilities to stop fighting solar by saying, hey, here's some free energy from the sun that can keep the power on when you need help. And wouldn't you like to pay for that? And also your car is charging your house and it's also cool. And it does give me hope because a drop becomes a flood and this is how we get there. The boring hard work, all happening somewhere, all at the same time. Okay, I know you've heard it. I know. That's it for this episode of Everybody in the Pool. Thank you so much for listening. This will be the last regular episode of the year. I will have a little bonus episode for you next week, and then I will see you back here in the feed in mid-January. I hope you all have amazing holidays. Happy Hanukkah to my friends and family who are celebrating now. Happy New Year in advance. Please email me your thoughts and suggestions to in at everybodyinthepool.com and find all the latest episodes and more at inthepool.com, the website. And if you want to become a subscriber and get an ad-free version of the show, hit the link in the description in your podcast app of choice. Thank you to those of you who already have. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.